Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento, California-based production company, headed by yours truly. Just uh, at this time, uploading Lady Hyde and uh, getting back into editing um, Emmanuel in Sin City. Going to do some extra shooting in Las Vegas very soon um, for some added... Uh, Added panache and a little, couple more location shots I want to pick up while I'm down there. Add to the overall look of the feel of the film. It's only going to make it better, so you always got to go through those little things. I uh, didn't plan on it, but the opportunity picked up, so that's what you do in indie films. And I'm also writing uh, one or two films right now and working a bunch of jobs and getting ready to save up to go on a nice little trip to uh, Las Vegas, and uh, which is where I'll be shooting Emmanuel. So... Anyways, right now we are on episode 105, film number 105 from Uncle Jess. So yeah, he's already made 105 films at this time. And uh, this is uh, 1981 period we're at here, the famous um, Golden Films period as well. So this is, uh, I believe, the second film or the third, let me see. Lake of Virgins isn't, uh, that's three tone. Okay. So yeah, so this is the, uh, second film in the golden, Bakumba was the first and then, uh, second in the, um, golden films international period is this film, which I have yet to watch by the way. I'm just going to research it all and talk about it first and then review it later. This is La Noche de la, once again, La Noche de los Sexos Ebertos. That's the Spanish theatrical title, and we know it as, here it says, The Night of Open Sexes. The uh, Severin Blu-ray is uh, Night of Open Sex, so just singular instead of plural. But uh, yeah, here it's uh, The Night of Open Sexes, uh, Spain, 1981. Production company, once again, Golden Films International out of Barcelona. Uh, Theatrical distributor, Cinedroc, S.A. Spain. Um, so it says SMC erroneously says Columbia Films SA. Oh yeah, once again, all information comes from the book of Flowers of Perversion, the Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume Two by Stephen Thrower. Uh, let's see here. Um, timeline. Shooting date on this is late autumn, nineteen eighty-one. Uh, they got the legal numbers registered, all that good stuff. December twelfth of eighty-one. And uh, played Barcelona December 6, a year later, 1982. Then Seville, February 5th of 1983, just two months later. Then uh, a couple weeks later, played Madrid, February 23rd, 1983. Then uh, a little less than a year later, January 30th of 1984, played Cartagena. Uh, the theatrical running time is 94 minutes. The video running time, SP King Home Video, pal, VHS, is 88 minutes, 22 seconds. Yeah, I don't have the Blu-ray in front of me, but I think the Severin runs 94. Uh, writer, director, let me think. Uh, let's see, David Lynch, Stanley Kubrick. Nope, nope, Jess Franco. Uh, let's see, director of photography. Uh, let's see, uh, Jess Franco. As, once again, Joan Almoral. So, yeah, he's used that alias now probably about a little close to a dozen times now. Uh, camera assistant, unknown, miscredited to Angel Ordiales. Uh, production manager, 
the amazing Antonio Mayans, and here he's billed as uh, Jose Antonio Mayans. Uh, makeup, Manolita Mercader. Music, Daniel White as Pablo Vila, and uncredited, Jess Franco song, Dame to Amor by Carlotto Perla, performed by the composer Laboratory. I'm sorry, <laughs> performed by the composer Laboratory Photo Films, which you had, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see, we skip. Uncredited camera operator Jess Franco, editor Jess Franco, executive producers Stella Laraga and Emilio Laraga. That's that husband and wife team behind um, uh, Golden Films. Uh, okay, cast. Let's see, Lena Romay, and she's billed as Lena Romay, not Candy Coster, but Lena Romay, and she plays Mariah. And Antonio Mayans is Antonio Mayans, not. Uh, uh, Robert Foster, he's here, the returning as the detective, Al Crosby, who we've seen uh, a few films back in Pickup Girls, and that was in episode 102, so yeah, he's back at playing the character of Al Crosby, which is almost like an Al Pereira, um facsimile. Uh, also returning is Nadine Pascal, cool, as uh, Carla Simmons. And, uh, you know, Nadine Pascal, she was, uh, see, I, was in, I think she was in Lake of Virgins, uh, I believe she was, oh no, that's Be a Feeler I'm thinking of. Hmm, okay, anyway, uh, Nadine Pascal as Carla Simmons, uh, she plays a blonde villainess, Antonio Ribolo as Tony Sicos, blonde male partner, Miguel Angel Arista as Miguel Arista, Vicus Mariah's lover, Gino Viva Ojeda slash Eva Palmer as Lorna Green. Uh, and then she plays, that was a lot. So Gino Viva Ojeda slash Eva Palmer is one person. But she's billed, her acting name as Lorna Green. And she plays the character of Tina Klaus, the early curly-haired torture victim. Yikes. All that billing just to be tortured. Uh, Albine, wow. Oh, Albino. I thought I said Albino. Al, boy. Albino Graziani. What a great name. Albi, Albino Graziani plays that General Von Klaus. That's interesting. And then, of course, Jess Franco plays Count Mion, a man bound and gagged by Crosby. Okay. Uh, let's see. You know, I'm just going to read the synopsis here. Uh, Mariah. Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to read the synopsis when I do the... Um, review after the bumper because i think i might be doing this one solo so i'll just put it in with that review uh by steven thor put la noche de los sexos abretos on the psychiatrist's couch and you'll have to say it manifests acute schizophrenia a condition signaled immediately as the credit sequence jumps back and forth between a melancholy coastal drive at dusk and an exuberant striptease show the music over the driving scenes is an exquisitely somber rumination for acoustic guitar and wordless vocals with electric organ hovering discreetly in the background. The theme for the strip show, on the other hand, is the jaunty yet oddly affecting signature melody from La Chicas de Copacabana. He's used that tune quite a few times. Uh, giddy celebration. Yeah, go, yeah uh, tinged with the what will be will be fatalism. What transpires only adds to the sense of a schizoid film operating on several 
wildly incompatible emotional levels. It can be seen as a belated twin to 1979's Two Female f- Spies with Flower Panties, another Hydra-headed creation which frivolity and darkness play footsie under the table of a superficially conventional plot, while keeping a straight enough face to puzzle the casual viewer. One can see on the basis of films like this why Pedro Almovar likes Jess Franco. The emotional discords are compellingly ironic and very much in keeping with Almovar's sensibility during the mid-80s. Unlike most Franco crime stories, the conjuring of mood is as important as the tale itself. Is it then purely by accident that the unseen driver in the credit sequence, Al Crosby, question mark, cruises back and forth along the seafront, first one way, than the other. Carlotto Perla's morose and ruminative music matches the unfocused, directionless vibe of the action, as if the driver cares little where he's going, steering without purpose along a deep blue sunset coastline. Intercut with his wandering is Mariah's sex show atop a 1950s American sedan, a screech of brake on the soundtrack, and two quick zooms, one into the car headlights and the other into a spinning neon light bring Mariah to a sort of climax as she mimics a car accident victim sprawled out on the windshield. Very J.G. Ballard, because a car crash is as good as a way to any to symbolize the oncoming relationship between Mariah and Crosby. That's funny. It's almost like a uh, a uh, Cronenberg. I, I keep talking to people that uh, as I watch certain films like um, by Cronenberg and David Lynch and that, as I got a Jess Franco, I definitely see Jess Franco's influences on their films. Like I see Jess Franco influences on Videodrome and on uh, Crash in this with Cronenberg. So it's interesting. And then with David Lynch, I see a lot with Twin Peaks and uh, Mulholland Drive and some other things. So that's interesting. Um, Romay's cavorting on the bonnet of a classic American automobile gives a hint of film noir pastoche. But don't get too comfortable. There's no safe gen- genre cradle for this sick little baby. Tucked away in the obscure backwaters of Franco's filmography, La Noche de los Sexo Abritos is, for me, the best of his crime stories, capturing some of the dazed oddness of his erotic horror films. It can also claim Franco's most sadistic and shocking scene of sexual violence. Let's see what it is. <coughs> Take glasses off here. <coughs> where we've scarcely even met Mariah and Carlo before they enter a woman's home, pin her down, and torture her vagina with heated curling tongs. The close-ups leave nothing to the imagination, wisps of smoke rising from the actress's abused labula. Make this one of the nastiest, most pathologically horror scenes Franco ever shot. And let's not forget that it occurs only 16 minutes into a film that has so far included 10 minutes of sexual striptease and 4 minutes of nighttime driving. Wow. That's beautiful. So let let me stop here for a minute and reread that. So this big torture scene occurs 16 minutes into a film. And as that, in the 16 minutes before that was 10 minutes of a strip tease and four minutes of driving. So that's 14 minutes and probably about two minutes for little uh, exterior shots and and the credits. So that's, that's, that's beautiful. So there's basically a strip tease driving shot, and then torturing the vagina with a fucking hot curling iron by two people. Wow. Very crazy. Um, wow. 
Okay, back to reading. Franco is playing hardball with us, outraging our senses and refusing to a context that might soften the blow. First of all, Mariah is a janty, spirited sex worker. The next thing we know, she's torturing another woman's vagina with a heated hair appliance. Not to be deterred, Franco then elects her as his central character. Is that the end of Franco's whiplash plotting? Not a chance. The scene in which Mariah visits the home of the general, Grand Canary native Albino Graziani, has the ominous musical component that we would associate more with horror, and since it comes hot on the heels of the vaginal torture scene, one is still sufficiently unnerved to expect another such occurrence. Casual killings take the place of torture as it transpires, but even this adds to the strangeness of the story. We have no one to hold on to as an avatar of decency or fairness. We're in the company of murderers, torturers, and cynical opportunists. Even the general turns out to be a prick, dropping a casually racist remark about his brother having a daughter with that disgusting mulatto, thus ensuring that we care less when private eye Al Crosby turn up later and pops a bullet in his cranium. Crosby is hot on Mariah's trail, and when she refuses to answer his questions, he jams a peach into her mouth and rapes her. Jesus. You want, wow. You want more moral whiplash? She likes it. The next scene has the two of them canoodling on a moonlit veranda from rape to romance in 30 seconds. Yikes. Uh, it's Franco's cap- cap- capricious immorality that's astounding here, as much as what's actually shown. As in Abersones Sexuales de una Muerte Casada, sexual brutality is the prelude to emotional connection. Mariah finds Crosby exciting, and soon the two are inseparable, investigating the central mystery like Nancy Drew teaming up with one of the Hardy Boys, just a pair of regular heroes. A subsequent scene in which they make passionate love is played for bizarre comedy with a buddy-rich cacophony of drums on the soundtrack. Romay acting the fool, yelling, Oh, Tarzan! Emmer and Mayan's ass protruding comically from between her clenched thighs. Once again, we're watching an entirely different movie. On the home stretch, the film morphs into a race for hidden gold, which are heroes pursued by an equally unscrupulous criminal couple played by Antonio Riballo and Nadine Pascal. But the competitive angle is then thrown into a staggeringly insouciant finale, although they hold the whip hand when the two lovers helplessly at gunpoint. The couple steal only half the gold and leave Mariah and Crosby the other half, simply because Mariah asked them not to be so greedy. It's a startling defilement of the race against time, plot structure, and a comedy mustache drawn on the face of the crime thriller format. It may even be an expression of Franco's occasionally exposed communist leanings. Don't be greedy, because then everybody wins. For all these reasons, La Noche de los Sexo Aberritos is a quintessential Franco film of the period, and is long overdue on digital format. Which, actually, it has become on, because now uh, it's on uh, Severn Blu-ray, so that was after this book got released. All right, Franco on screen. Franco plays a wealthy householder, trust and gagged by Al Crosby and Mariah. Music. Carlato Perla's vocals, sung over a supremely an acoustic guitar theme, begin the film in a melodic key. The composition is called Dom to Amor, Give Me Your Love. And, like some of the music recorded by Andre Benejo for Franco in the 1970s, the music recorded by Andre uh, see, it's a of the Portuguese fado genre, 
a musical form characterized by mournful melodies and suffused with a sense of resignation and lost. Franz Liszt, Leberstrom, is the musical key to the whereabouts of the Nazi gold. Franco's taste for Liszt has previously found expression in Sinfonia Erotica, which uses Concerto No. 2 for piano and orchestra. Very good. Prominently throughout. That's such a great tune. Uh, although Liberstrom isn't exactly incorporated into any of Daniel White's scores for Franco, it's not entirely fanciful to hear an echo of Franz Liszt in his most famous composition, the romantic and haunting theme for La Contessa Noir, as well as performing her cabaret number to the theme of La Chicas de Copacabana, Mariah gyrates to The Taste of Your Sperm, the maniac pop-funk number from Cocktail Special, and Macumba Sexual's mysterious theme for electric piano, and Arp Solina makes another appearance to Locations. This is probably the most lavish of the Golden Films productions, with numerous outdoor locations shot in the Canary Islands and Spain. Most striking is El Dido de Deus, God's Finger, an unusual rock structure located near Puerto de Nueves in the northern region of Gran Canaria. Sadly, the finger, one of the most ancient parts of the island at around 14 million years, was damaged in November 2005 when the top broke off and fell into the sea during a heavy storm. The secret layer of Von Klaus is represented by the fantastical interior staircases of the Morala Roja, part of La, Manze, La Manzanera in Calepe, near Alicante, first seen in La Contessa Perverse. The Mandala Indian Restaurant, also part of La Manzera, provides frontage for the strip club where Mariah works. It should be noticed that as soon it should be noted that, as so often in Franco's cheaper films, the strip scenes are not performed in a nightclub at all. They're filmed separately in a hotel room, alone with the performer, and then intercut with footage of a nightclub audience. The same audience footage reoccurs time and again in the early 80s films, which I love, suggesting Franco kept reels of it expressively for reuse in later films. According to the credits of one of these later films, Botas Negras, Latillo de Cuero, the club scenes were shot at Torlo... Molinos nightclub called Pipers, which from 1967 until its closure in, in 2003 was one of the leading night spots in the whole of Andal Andalusia. Similar footage appears in Confessions Intimus de Una Exhibitionista, featuring many of the same people. Private Eye Al Crosby, played by Antonio Mayans as a less sympathetic Al Pereira, returns for a second outing following his first appearance in Franco's Pickup Girls. The storyline is very loosely based on Edgar Allan Poe's The Gold Bug, with Crosby trying to break a secret code to find a hidden treasure. So, alright. So, that's all the uh, written word in the book of Night of Open Sex. So, um, yeah, either I'm going to watch it or... Uh, let me see if I can try to get a hold of my buddy to see if he uh, is down to watch it because he reviewed uh, the first Al Crosby with me, so maybe he'll be down to watch uh, the second Al Crosby film. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, but let me see how that is. I'm kind of up against the time right now, so we'll see if uh, we can fit that in. So, anyway, um, go ahead and hit my notes here before the bumper. Uh, donation button on the um, Red Circle account. If you uh, feel free, please do so, either one time or recurring. It's always there. Uh, these are always done for free. I don't charge anything, any of that good stuff. And 
a lot of time and uh, money go into buying and recording and editing and all that stuff. So if you're ever down to throw some cash, always down to catch it. Uh, let's see. Also, too, please subscribe to the shows. Uh, we're on all your favorite listening platforms. I think we're on about eight or ten different ones. So just look up Franco Observer Podcast, and uh, you'll find us there. And also, please subscribe uh, and download and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, also, I always forget to say, tell a friend. Uh, if you know somebody that likes Franco, or even if they don't know who Franco is, or you want to turn them on to there, uh, I went through now since a couple weeks ago, and revamped the whole webs, the whole uh, site. So now, if you go to the Red Circle um, Freak Observer homepage, there, all the episodes now have all the has the title of the film in the episode. So if you look up, say, episode twenty-two, it won't just say Freak Observer twenty-two; it'll say Justine, you know, or episode. Uh, I'm sorry, that's eighty, eighty-two. Or if you look up, say, hey, I want to look up episode 87. Oh, that's at least font out. It's like right there. So there's no more searching and searching and searching. Um, all the episodes are, are there to find easily now. So maybe that'll help you. So and I'll make it easier. And uh, if you like that, donate. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, always feel free to write us an email. You can at francoobserver at yahoo.com. That's francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also find us and correspond with us on the Facebook or Instagram pages of the Franco Observer podcast. So just look us up there, find us, and you can always do that. Uh, all right, so looking forward to watching this and all the other Franco films. Kind of do it this time. I'm going to do like a marathon where I'm going to watch like three or four films and knock out three or four episodes and upload them and and get a little uh, cushion. So when I'm out of town and doing things, I'm not as uh, right before the deadline of doing it. I'll have a little bit of a window to not rush. So, All right, so that's cool. This is, uh, what did I say again? Episode 105, Night of Open Sex. So hang out, pass the bumper, and you'll hear maybe me or me and a guest review the film and tell you what you think. So, All right, thanks. Hang out. Arrivederci. Buenas noches. Uh-huh. Hey, and we're back with episode 105, film 105, Night of Open Sex, or Night of the Open Sexes, uh, La Noche de los Sexos Ebretos. Um, this is going to be a solo review by yours truly, Jason Rudy, host of the Franco Observer Podcast. Um, I wanted to knock this out, uh, cause I had watched Macumba Sexual the day before. So I watched these two back to back, watched Macumba Sexual yesterday and Night of Open Sex tonight. And it's funny, um, these, these are cool because these two films were shot back to back basically, uh, with same mains, very small cast, a lot of the same locations, um, from the last film. And you see it like, uh, certain parts where, Certain rooms were used in Makuma Sexual. You recognize uh, the furniture of these white palm trees that are on this uh, kind of rattan bamboo couch thing that's in the Count's house. And that was in uh, Makuma Sexual. That was the uh, uh, Ajita Wilson's character, Tara, her uh, room where she has uh, that big sex scene 
was I forgot who it was. I think uh, either Mayans or uh, Lena. And uh, so you recognize that room and stuff. But yeah, no. So he shot these two back to back. And I watched the Severin Blu-ray of it, and I watched the little uh, 20-minute deal with um, Stephen Thrower talking about it, and it was cool. So basically, these films, a lot of these films during this period, as a filmmaker, this really interests me, is, uh, so uh, he would shoot for like seven days, so this film was shot in like seven days, one week, and then, so he, he would shoot in one week, and then this second and third week, they would edit and dub it, and it was done. So it was done in like a month, you know, three weeks, and then finishing up art, whatever. So yeah, so they would basically do one film a month, and that's how they can knock them out. So yeah, that's that's interesting. That's a really cool idea and a very interesting way to go, and Jess was cranking them out. So he had done, um, before I talk about the film, I'll talk about a few of these little things, uh, since it's just me. Um, yeah, so I guess he had done... Uh, how many films? Six films in 81. So basically, yeah, it was like one a month for like six months. And then one that was not finished, so seven. And uh, he had done a lot more. So yeah, so basically if you do one film a month like that. But that's crazy too, editing and dubbing it, you know. Because these are all dubbed and everything. Um, but this period, they were all in Spain only. So there's only the Spanish language dubbing. So that saved time of having to do um, dubbing of English or German or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, no, so anyway, back to the film, Night of Open Sex. I really, 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 really like this film a lot. I wasn't sure about the title, Night of Open Sex. I didn't know if it was just like about some like orgy or if it was just some sex film or what. I really didn't know a lot about it. I kind of looked at the, the cover, the poster. It's got a, a, a blonde, a redhead, and a, and a guy, or a, a blonde woman, a redhead woman, and a guy. And I guess it's supposed to be Lena as the redhead, I guess, even though she's brunette. Because there's a blonde woman in the film, but and the guy I guess is supposed to be her boyfriend or or the other pimp character. But uh, yeah, the posters really has. I mean, it's a good. I mean, it's a beautiful picture, but I don't I don't know if it really fits what the film is. So this film, it's funny because Wakuma Sexual, the film before this, was more like a a vibe. I mean, Kali talked about it. It was more like a vibe, and it was like. Um, so Franco makes a lot of different styles of films, obviously. Um, now seeing over 100 of his films, 105 now, exact, actually a little more, but um, he has different styles. He'll have uh, Straight Ahead Story, he'll have Mad Cat, he'll have Sex, he'll have just different, and of course different genres. But like the last film, Akuma Sexual, is very much like um, a vibe of a, just a a very trippy thing where you go through and you just kind of like experience and just watch, have no expectations and just watch a film and see what happens. Kind of like Vampiros Lesbos um, and other things. I mean, even though Bakuma Sexual is not a vampire film per se, it's more voodoo, but still the same type of theme. Um, and there's other, quite a few, I'm sure if I looked at a list of his films, um, the past ones, I have that same vibe, kind of like uh, um, shit. What's that one? Um, uh, like like Venus and Furs, kind of, or um, Necronomicon, um, uh, Succubus. That that's like that one where it's just a, a vibe. Or um, uh, let's see, like uh, maybe some of his earlier trippy stuff, you know. So, but but like um, even like. Um, it was, uh, but anyway, but so 
This one, though, it has more of the stuff that I like. I'm more into the, the crime thriller type of stuff that he does. So this is basically a, a rom-com. It's like a romantic comedy, uh, and it's a sex comedy as well. It's like a rom-com, a rom-sex com, uh, but it's also a crime thriller, and it's a roughie. There's, there's uh, like, rape scenes and, like, hot iron scenes we'll go over. It's just like there, there's some... There's some torture stuff in here as well, so it's really interesting. It it kind of goes from a crime thriller back to like a sex comedy, back to like a dialogue couples thing where it's funny, and then it goes back to hardcore stuff. And you're like, whoa! So yeah, it's it flows really well, which which I really liked a lot. But it has a story, has a plot. Uh, you know, there's a double dealing and all that stuff. So it's it's really good. It's it's the stuff that I like of, of Franco. You know, like um. Now going back on my list again, it's it's uh, like for me it was like um, like uh, Opala de Fuego, you know the um, uh, two female flies of, two female spies with flower panties, or like Les Ebranales, or like um, going back the early stuff here. Going, it's very much like um, uh, slaves a little bit, maybe like. Uh, um, uh, let's see, maybe like uh, Killer Soho, you know, that type of um, uh, crime type of deal. Um, of course, Les Leibarnales, which I mentioned before, which is one of my favorite Franco films. That's why I think I like this one quite a bit. Um, Kiss Me Killer, kind of like that. You know, it's, it's, it's got that crime type of dealings, and it's, and it's a sex club part, too, where it's got the... Um, Burn all over and and uh, and uh, some of his other uh, sex club film stuff. So, but yeah. So I mean, it's it's got those trappings of of the Franco universe that I like. So anyway, I'm gonna kind of go through. Oh, actually, what I should do is uh, read the synopsis of it, and then I'll kind of go over that anyway too. All right, synopsis: Mariah, a stri- which is played by Lena Romay, is a stripper at the Mandala Club. She's hired by a criminal, Carlo. Played by, uh, let's see who plays Carlo in this. Um, Carlo, let's see. That doesn't even have his name. That's funny. Carla. Tony Skios, Miguel is Vicus, Lorna Green. Anyway, so hired by Carlo to help extract information from and then impersonate a female secret agent in order to intercept a message from a man called the General. The information leads to the hidden layer of von Klaus, a German officer in the Second World War who went missing with an immense fortune. Meanwhile, private detective Al Crosby has been following Mariah and abducts her with a view to finding the fortune himself. After he rapes her, (laughs) Mariah decides she likes Crosby, and the two begin having an affair. After shooting the general and stabbing Carlo, Crosby continues to search for von Klaus with Mariah's help, while being tracked by Tony, a criminal whose girlfriend also works at the Mandala. Mariah is abducted by the couple and is about to be tortured for information when Crosby intervenes and rescues her. As they gather more clues and information, Crosby and Mariah must piece together fragments of a poem that reveals the whereabouts of Von Klaus's treasure. So yeah, that's basically the film in a nutshell. But now I'm going to go through now that, but in a more detailed way. So, 
Yeah, so uh, Al, Al Crosby, of course, which you hear about. Um, this is the second appearance of Al Crosby. Uh, the last one was uh, what, two films back, uh, one I did with Jeff, and that was uh, Pickup Girls. He plays the same character, Al Crosby. And it's cool. Al, Al Crosby's cool. I really like this character a lot. I like the Al Pereira character. This is a variation of Al Pereira, which is played by a lot of different people, including uh, Howard Vernon and, and um, uh, any, quite a few. Anyway, uh, um, but Al Crosby always he has the Hawaiian shirt and the suit jacket and the suit pants <clears throat> and he's always uh, so his gimmick is he's always fishing out cigarette butts out of the um, ashtrays at places anywhere he, <coughs> excuse me any, anywhere he goes to he'll he'll find cigarette butts in places and take it and start smoking it and light it because he's so cheap he can't afford cigarettes so he'll smoke other butts and then a guy asks him, hey, why are you always smoking cigarette butts? He goes, oh, the these butts have more flavor. Uh, a real cigarette, uh, a full cigarette has has no personality. So that's kind of funny. But yeah, this is a really cool character. Al Crosby, he's really fucking vicious. He'll like kill people. He'll rape people. He tortures. He don't care. He's just uh, trying to get money and, and just, you know, do his thing. So very, very uh, cold-blooded detective kind of guy. Even though he's like hired to like kill people and stuff, he says, but... You don't even see who he's hired by. But anyway, um, it starts off with a really great scene. We see him driving up and down the street at night with an acoustic guitar and uh, Uncle Jess singing. And um, then it's, you hear that going on. And then uh, it cuts to another. We see it's a car with Lena behind it. And you think she's driving. but then it, And it cuts back and forth between this thing of Lena driving... And uh, with her wild South American party music, I think that's from the girls of Copacabana, um, South American music. And uh, so they have her with that and then him with the acoustic guitar and very mellow and he's driving up and down the street. But then as, as it cuts back and forth between the two of them, the two different musics and the two scenes, the tranquil with the more party style. And then finally, as it zooms back, you see Lena's behind a car that's actually inside of a club. It's just the facade. It's a half of a car, the front end of the car and the steering wheel and that. And uh, she's dancing in there behind the thing. And she gets out and she climbs on top of the car and starts dancing and stripping. And um, it's interesting because I saw the movie uh, Titani uh, or Titani. And uh, there's a scene with the woman on the car, and, and the guys, wa- guys, women watching and applauding, and they're like watching her do this kind of stripping and, and humping on a car. And it's very similar to this film done back in '81, released in '83. So I wonder if Titani took took a, another thing from this because it's one thing I always say about Uncle Jess. The more Uncle Jess films I see, uh, are actually yeah, that this and other other films I'll see directors that took from Uncle Jess like uh, I feel definitely he had an influence on David Cronenberg on David Lynch and then on this the female director of Titani um, but yeah there's definitely touches of him in a lot of films he was very similar but so yeah speaking of Uncle Jess too uh, I like his credit on this um, he has uh, uh, so he's billed as Jess Franco of course and he does a music but he's billed as Pablo Villa and as a camera operator, he's billed himself as Joan Solar. Um, actually, it's Joan Amarill. On the case, it says Joan Solar, which is Juan Solar, but that's funny. But yeah, it's Joan Amarill. So he bills himself as Jess Franco, Joan Amarill, Pablo Vila. And then the best, though, is uh, 
this story is based on the original work of the same title by David Kuhn, adapted by Jess Franco, which is funny, so he wrote the thing, and he keeps adding all these names, it's funny, so I was laughing at that. But yeah, so he's built as that, so... Um, uh, Oh yeah, so also what we have too is this funny... um, Lena is wearing this cool multi-pattern uh, orange and green and orange, green, and red dress that she's used in quite a few films in the past. You'll see her wearing it, and uh, she uses it in this film. Um, and she does the uh, uh, dance on the car as we see uh, Al Crosby pull up, and he enters the club and watches Lena dance, and this is one of the things on the list, of course, the dance scenes. This film is interesting. He has three different club scenes, like the, the uh, let's see, number uh, seven dance scenes on stage stripping. This is his, he has, these are these strip sequences, which is interesting because he has all the other ones. He has them doing their dance, and then it cuts to the audience watching, and they're not in the same room. They're always in a, in a separate room. I mean, there has been a few. Lena's done a few with people in the same room and stuff, but during this period and, and a lot of the stuff before, it's always shot separate from the crowd. So that's how this is. Um, Lena's doing the dance, and Al Crosby's watching her. And uh, so finally, eight minutes in, we have the first nudity, of course, it's Lena. And she's uh, stripping on the car. And there's a really close-up of her vagina that Franco zooms in quite a bit. I was laughing during the sequence. And really a lot of close zooms of Lena's boobs and her ass and everything. So Franco gets really close on her. Um, and then they go through. And you'd hear about how they uh, go to this... Lena and uh, her pimp character uh, go and pull off the scam, which I'd read about in the synopsis. And uh, they go to kidnap this woman so Lena can impersonate her and, and try to uh, get information and all this stuff to get, get, to get all this money. And uh, the woman's using the same typewriter from Akuma Sexual, the white typewriter, um, the character uh, Eva Allen or whatever, um, or uh, Tina Klaus. Uh, same typewriter. For, so, yeah, she's using that. And uh, there's an eyeball book in there, which is interesting. And so they guy beats her up and they, they, you see her mouth all bloody and uh, they're trying to get information why she's trying to see the general and, and what's this why she's going to see this person and she won't say she won't say she won't say so Lena takes out her curling iron plugs it in gets it hot and uh, inserts the curling iron into her vagina and burns her like three or four times really hardcore scene but it's interesting of course the curling iron is not hot and you see it's like a little bit of a smoke blowing underneath. So he probably was like smoking a cigarette and blowing out the smoke to look like it's the, you know, smoke from the burning. So it was really cheap special effect, but it looked really good. And the woman acting sold it, scream, these blood curdling screams, which is really, really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was laughing. I wrote, wow, 16 minutes in the film. There's already two close up vagina scenes already. Of course, of Lena stripping on the car and this woman's vagina sitting there spread eagle with no underwear and then burning her. It's like, wow, it's really interesting already set up. Um, yeah, I said burn smoke again by the woman's body, Tina Klaus. Um, oh, and then we have also the Afro-haired guy again from Makumba Sexual that plays uh, a servant of the general. Let me see that guy's name. He's uh, um, Tina Klaus, Lorna Tina Klaus, curly hair torture victim was uh, Eva Palmer, um, Miguel, 
Raise lower. Just Franco. Huh, it doesn't say the guy's name. But yeah, he's uh he was the uh one of the pets uh slaves in Macumba Sexual, the curly haired bug eyed guy. So uh he's uh here again and uh um let's see what we have. Oh yeah, so the she the, she goes to um so books I always have to think about people reading books. So we have a lot of books in the Tina Klaus's place. We have a whole bunch of books in the general's house, and he's laying there shot. The guy that has the secret that she, he she's trying to have a meeting with to imp- to get this information so she could steal all this treasure. And uh, he gives her two books. It's a a blue book, and he's like this racist general. He's like a of course from World War Two. We find out he's like a Nazi general. And uh, Lena thinks she killed him because she puts a pillow over his face and and runs out, whatever. But uh, Al Crosby comes in later, out of nowhere, we don't see. He comes in and puts a gun, pillow over his face, and shoots him right in the fake head, kills him. Um, Oh, and then we have... um, uh, That's a big jump. Oh, yeah, okay, so so then we have the second scene. I didn't realize that, was a, that jumped quite a bit. So after all that happens, Lena goes back to work. And uh, so this is for the stage show number two, and it's the uh, Taste of Your Sperm, which is from Cocktail Special. Uh, Taste of Your Sperm. It's funny, it's this real, like, dance song, and they play it for a long time. And it's a really great sequence this time. Lena's uh, has all these porno books, like five or six books on stage, and she's like rubbing her fingers all along the boobs and the genitals and the vagina and then she's licking the pages and getting real close and licking the dicks and act like she's licking out the woman. It's really funny. I was like, wow, it's really creative. It's Lena's just so horny. And then she's stripping and uh, masturbating and and, uh, and she's on this cool uh, blue carpet and it's a dark scene is how it's shot. It's actually a different audience from before but they're commenting on it. Wow, she's wild. She's the best. She's so hot and she's so sexy and everybody's just saying stuff. Uh, the audience applauds in the big scene. Um, and we see this woman who works at the club, one of the dancers as well, and a guy's watching her, a guy wearing these red pants, and uh, he's really obsessed with Lena, and he's like, oh, I want to get with her and stuff. So he talks to the blonde, and she says, oh, yeah, I know her. She's a friend of mine. Oh, you think we can meet her? Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So then she go, Lena comes over and talks to him, and they hang out a little bit and stuff. And... Uh, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. So then they get together and they have sex. And uh, or no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. They were getting ready to have sex, but then uh, Al Crosby sneaks into her dressing room and, and knocks her out and kidnaps her, and then he interrogates her. So by interrogating her, he has her uh, tied up in a bed, which will be on the list later. And he puts a peach in her mouth and then like starts raping her, basically like fucks her real hard and just starts fucking her. And then I guess she gets into it after a little bit and likes it or whatever. Then it cuts to uh, uh, her giving him a blowjob on the uh, back at her place on the balcony. And she's like, oh, isn't it better doing it here? So, yeah, it's kind of silly. Lena's like this total um, nymphomaniac in here. I mean, Lena always loves sex, and she's always the epitome of sex. But in this film, she's like almost a parody of herself, where she's just like this ultimate nymphomaniac, where she just has to fuck everybody all the time, which is funny. Uh, so he uh, puts peach in her mouth, and then she... Uh, Oh, yeah, and I noticed that, like I said, the same balcony uh, from uh, Macumba Sexual from the same hotel, I noticed. So then finally the red, after they have sex, uh, Al Crosby and her, he leaves, and then, uh, uh, or Mariah, and then uh, the red pants guy comes over, I call him Mr. Red Pants, 
and visits Lena after Crosby leaves, and they have sex. And she goes, oh, my Tarzan, oh, my Tarzan. So it was funny, he was laughing. Then we see Al Crosby back at the club, and he bumps another cigarette. Uh, the Will Ferrell guy arrives at the club um, and watches this, the the sex show, which is where he c- comes and watches the show and then leaves. It's like, what the fuck was he there for? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he knew, I guess she worked. I don't know. It was weird. I already recognized her and then just left. That, but it doesn't follow, but it doesn't tie in with any other part of the story, which was odd. But it's just a cast, just a scene, have him come in, look around, and leave. I mean, it was a cool looking scene, but it meant nothing. Um,. But, uh, yeah, he watches Lena and the Blonde Lady, and this is the scene, stage show number three. And it's a cool remix of a song from another film. Um, I, I didn't catch the song, but I'm sure if I looked up, I would find it. But I didn't recognize it. It was a different remix it's a, of a guy singing um, kind of a... Oh, I think it's a... Uh, oh, honeymoon. Or no, it's um, the Apollo de Fuego in theme, but it's a different version of it. Um, it's a vocal version instead of just instrumental. See, now I've really figured it out. I'm just humming a few tunes. Um, so, uh, where are we at? Okay, so, uh, they have, Lena and the woman have this, like, huge, exaggerated, almost like a tongue fight where they just wag tongues back and forth with each other and, and kiss, but they're not tongue kissing. They're just licking tongues up and over, very being theatrical about it. And, uh, then they start having sex with each other, uh, giving each other oral sex on stage. Everybody's clapping and watching and having a good time. They're like, wow, and they're really, really into it. Uh, and, and I wrote, Lena looks really awesome in this scene. Uh, she almost looks like she's like in this haze, but just overall, her face, her energy, her acting in this, uh, She and even Makumba Sexual too, but it's almost like this is the fallout from Makumba Sexual. So it's like all the stuff she went through. Now here's the afterglow of Lena is this film, and she's... This is me one of the most powerful Lena performances of just how she is, looks, her body, her face, her energy. Like I said, every, everything about her acting, her comedy, her timing, her expression. She's she's so good in this film. Um, but yeah, so anyway, then she gets kidnapped finally by the the red pants and blonde woman again, and uh, the blonde woman like, starts like biting Lena's nipples, and she uh, knees Lena in her pussy, and like starts fucking fucking her up. It's like, oh my god. They're, they're going to hurt her, they're going to torture her and shit. Then Al arrives and saves her. And, uh, and then he takes her to a safe place. And the safe place was uh, this guy called the Count. And it's actually Jess Frank when he's tied up. And they go to this house and they take out these two books and they're trying to figure out the clues. But they have sex a few times because uh, Lena's horny. She wants to fuck. She says, well, I can figure it out if I have sex first. So then they have sex and all this stuff. And then they relax and start becoming a couple and she trusts him, he trusts her a little bit and then they, then they start working together. But it's funny, uh, it's almost like a cuckold scene because they're in there, have, oh, it's so funny too because she's fakes like a blowjob it's supposed to be real with the sound effects and you could see like her hands are over his crotch, his zipper is not even, his pants, nothing's sticking out, she like shakes her head and then she's riding him but he's got his pants on and, and it's funny, So, but it's supposed to be like they're having sex with all the sound effects, it's great. And then Frank was tied up in the other room, was like a cuckold. He's like tied up while his while his woman's getting fucked. It's funny. So yeah, it's funny. I wonder if that's one of the little uh, kinks on the Franco list, uh, cuckolding. Um. So then they have sex, and she does the "Oh my beast, oh my tiger, oh my Tarzan," and and uh, he starts laughing. He goes, "Oh, you say that to all the boys," and she says, "Well, how do you know?" He says, "Oh, I was listening and all this other stuff," and he knows she, that she's full of sex, full of shit. But then I also wrote, Lena loves sex in this film a lot. 
So he says, uh, and, she, and oh yeah, one funny scene is he's wearing his Hawaiian shirt that he always wears, and she says, "Take off your shirt," and he says, "I'll die with it on." <laughs> so he keeps his shirt on the whole time. Um, it's funny. Oh yeah, and then so they go looking for the treasure, and Lena's wearing her cutoffs again from Akuma Sexual, the really high cutoffs, and she's wearing these cool black cowboy boots, and they're like walking in this gravel trying to find this treasure. And they find the place. Um, let's see where we at. Oh yeah, so there it's funny too. So they're like trying to find out where the where the treasure is, and they figure out all these clues, which is actually taken from um, I forgot to get uh, Edgar Allan Poe's uh, The Gold Bug. Um, and it's the same thing where they f- put the clues together, and they go to find the gold by playing a playing notes and everything, and that is the secret of the treasure, you know. But, uh, yeah, so it's funny. So they're, like, trying to find out where the place, and they're being trailed by the red pants guy, the blonde, and they're in this helicopter. So Franco shoots a helicopter flying overhead, and then he shoots the guy and the woman, like, in a little room behind this, like, kind of domed glass, like a fake helicopter bubble, and they're standing behind it, and he shoots it like they're, like he's up in the air shooting through the glass of them looking down to see below he's done that in other films uh the dietrich period i think and then uh um uh, was the one right by uh burning all over or whatever i think that has that helicopter thing of the women and stuff where it looks real fake but but he's used that effect about four or five times before and it actually looks good like i say man watching his films really made me go well shit dude it's if that's cheaper it's the same effect who fuck cares man you know you giggle for a second it's over whatever you know i think it looked kind of cool um so yeah, he has him behind the deal, um, and uh, he reuses the the cool staircase from the Calliope Apartments, like from uh, She Killed an Ecstasy, and uh, a couple of other films. I've got that one. Uh, was it the um, Emmanuel one? Um, uh, the the whole red staircase, the house next to the apartments next to the house from She Killed an Ecstasy. So yeah, in in Calliope. Uh, it's red, of course, and uh, he's used that where they're going down the stairs into a room, but it's a different location, of course. And they use Franz Liszt, uh, Lieberstrom, as the music that she has to play. She plays the. It's funny, it's like she has to know music, but if you look, the music is all number coded. For each note is a number on the keyboard, and the keyboard's numbered, so you just go like one, six, three, two, one, four, you know, so it's it's funny. It's like you're just playing by number. So even if she didn't know music, she could still play the play the song and open the treasure. So anyway, that was funny. Um, and then so of course, which this is funny. So they they find the treasure and uh, they see it's all these gold bars. And that was used to be an old thing. And the Franco thing we used to laugh about was a lot of films had uh, like they were always after gold or diamonds or jewels or a bag of treasure or something that they had to go get. Well, this is it. This was the bars of treasure. And, of course, they're not real gold bars because that would be really expensive. And you could see the gold wrappings on these bars. This is funny. A couple of shots, from, especially the shot from behind, you could totally see the crinkles on the wrapping and everything. It's, it's, it is cute, like I say, you know. It's a cheap effect. So so they see the gold and they get both Antonio Mayans and Lena Romay get so excited by the gold that they have to stop. And they, and they want to fuck in front of the gold because they say that, uh, well, this is a position that's not even in the Kama Sutra. And they want to both... So she has a reverse cowgirl and uh, riding him, not facing him, but facing away. So they can both look at the gold as they're having sex, which is really, really funny. <laughs> stuff like that, just goofy, which I, I, I dig is when they cut around and do, do stuff like that. <clears throat> so as they're having sex, of course, the helicopter guys see where they landed and they follow them down. 
And they come down the stairs with guns and they pull them on Lena and them and they're going to take all the treasure from them as they're sitting there like, oh, fuck, man, we, we fucked up. We should have just took the treasure and left, but we got caught. So Lena goes, well, hey, don't steal all the treasure. I mean, that's not for all, everybody. Why don't you just take half and then we, you can have half and we'll have half. And so the guy's like, well, all I did was follow you and you solved the whole thing. So, okay, deal. So he takes half the treasure, leaves them half and, uh, takes off which is kind of a socialist thing which is funny it's like well we can all we could all so you having it all let's all just kind of share in it and and you know we'll all have less but we'll all still get by and i'll be happy so uh they leave with the gold and al crosby and lena have that sad look on their face kind of dejected like uh i guess it's okay and then they start looking at the gold see how much money they actually do have so then they start fucking again and then it and then it ends with her going oh tarzan and this is finn you know so yeah, I thought it was funny. It's uh, they're such a sexual couple, and the the you're supposed to like she. I mean, Lena does this horrible burning the woman's vagina, and and you know doing this horrible stuff, and then you're supposed to like be on her side and and like her, and 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 she pulls it off, which is funny. And then out Mayan's characters killing people, shooting the face, even the guy's a Nazi, but still beating up women, doing other stuff, and then like he's a good guy, and so it's so funny. Everybody's a bad guy, everybody's a good guy, which I like. Kind of the the whole hard boiled uh, detective deal. So yeah, no, I I would really recommend this film a lot. Uh, this is a good film, even if you're not a Franco fan. I think you dig this film. Um, it's cool. It's it's one I could recommend definitely. And I think this film now made it on my uh, top twenty favorite Franco films. So yeah, definitely definitely good. I definitely liked it. I liked being. I like being, the films I like a lot of the ones I'm always surprised like wow that was really good I didn't think it would be that good and stuff and the ones I'm always built up for I think I usually don't dig I don't know that's how people are with films so anyway speaking of films let's go over the Franco list alright Franco list time alright Franco list uh, number one uh, Body of Water yes we see Body of Water in the film in the beginning along with number two and number three Sailboats and Boats Number four, palm trees. Yeah, quite a few palm trees, all the exterior shots. Um, going down, you see palm trees a lot in all the streets and everything. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. A lot of sound effects in this. Um, the, more not the jungle as much, but more like the moaning and voices and, and other uh, weird sounds. So there's there's sound effects, but not as much jungle stuff because it's not really a jungle film or outdoors as much. Uh, six, chained up person. Yes, not chained up, but tied up. Lena's tied up, of course, by Al Crosby when he uh, rapes her and fucks her and all that stuff. Uh, okay, number six. Or that was number six. Uh, number seven. Dance scenes on stage stripping. Yeah, there's the three stage shows we talk about. Uh, Lena on top of the car stri- uh, stripping and masturbating. Also, which is a C item. We'll go over that, too. Uh, number two, Lena and the porno mags. And three, Lena and the woman doing the tongue uh, ballet. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, and also too, I like the Severn disc on the menu, the disc menu. It opens with Lena, uh, tongue in that woman. So the magic tongues on the disc menu, which we'll get to that too. So that's really funny. Uh, number eight, club scenes, dancing in a bar. Yeah, we, of course, we have the club, the club Mandela, uh, the dancing, not really, of course, that's Lena dancing in the bar. We have people dancing in the audience. Everybody knew that. Number nine, uh, jazz music. A little bit of jazz. It's uh, acoustic, and then we have the South American music. We have a mix of a lot of different music in here. A little bit of jazz, but not as much jazz. More other styles of music. 
but there is one or two jazz numbers. Uh, Ten, excessive zooms. Not excessive, but there's quite a few zooms on Lena's boobs and vagina and everything. It's pretty funny. He'll just like zoom in on just to make sure you saw him. Like, yeah, we saw him, Jess. <laughs> uh, let's see. Especially by now. This many films. Uh, 11, out of focus shots. One or two, not too bad. Actually, pretty good. Uh, 12, uh, mirror shots. Yeah, there's... Um, one in a room, like only only like two, and they're not really meaningful in this. They don't, they're not used for a cool shot, or they're not used to progress a story or show a clue or anything. It's just uh, one in the room where she's, yeah. So just not, nothing too major in this. It's also doesn't meaningless in that. Thirteen mind control theme. Um, no, no mind control theme. That was the last film. This is more like uh, just to try to figure everybody out, seeing who's. Truthful, not truthful. Uh, 14, uh, magic tongue scenes. Oh, yeah. Plenty, plenty. And I like, talk, like my favorite was the magic tongue on the magazines. That was a new touch because I've seen her kiss women and lick other people and lick the body. But licking the magazines was a new touch. So we had the magic tongue on the magic zines. <laughs> uh, okay. 15, red light. Nope, no red lights in this. Uh, 16, sheepskin rug. No. Masturbate with a C item. How about masturbating on a C item? A car. So, yeah. Uh, 17. Mad scientist and servant? No. 18. Fish tank shots? No. 19. Talking parrots or talking animals? No. 20. End credits? Yes or no? Yes, yeah, it's Finn and talks about film of the Canary Islands. Uh, 21. Handwritten note? Yeah, there's a note um, written in lipstick on Lena's um, stage or Lena's dressing room. Um, uh, dressing room table, I guess you'd call that, or des- dressing room desk. Whatever. Um, okay, number 22, Spiral Staircase. Yeah, there's one in uh, the General's Place. Uh, 23, Inept Cops. No, cops aren't in this film at all. 24, Belly Chains. No. 25, Kinks. Well, maybe there's a cuckold of Jess being... Uh, Tied up while Lena's having sex. You have um, the burning uh, S&M stuff, the, the torture, the burning of the, that, and, of course, rough sex. Um, what else is a lot of the torture in here? Or the kink stuff. Um, uh, uh, there's a few, but not as much. Um, 26, great headboards. There's some interesting headboards. I think it's the same ones from the last film with the wood and stuff, so nothing too great. Uh, I wrote no, so yeah. 27, fear or desire? Desire, it's about the desire of the money is what they want. Um, 28, acoustic guitar player. Not acoustic guitar player, but there's acoustic guitar song in this. And of course, 29, reading a book scene. Yeah, this movie's huge about reading books. Lena and him have to read the books to get the clues. And there's other book scenes of uh, that book in the Tina Klaus's room that they zoom in twice on of like a scared face with a giant eyeball that's on her desk. Frank will like that cover. He keeps showing that. So, but yeah, the whole thing is reading the books to get the treasure because reading is how you get uh, all. Reading is tr- as cool. It's like Frank got a lot of his ideas by reading, and it's like you get your treasure by reading. So that's that's a good message of of. Uh, why you should read this because it'll make you rich in either knowledge or rich in whatever. So yeah, it's, it's a it's a good thing. So um, oh yeah, the last thing is she goes Tarzan, which is funny. Uh, I'm gonna take half. That's interesting. I don't know what that means. So so 
yeah, uh, I really like this film. I thought it was really, really cool. So, like I said, I would recommend it and uh, definitely check it out. So, all right, let's see what we're looking at here time-wise. Uh, yeah, over a half an hour, good. So, it's funny, you sit there and talk by yourself and go over notes and things. You kind of, like, uh, always wonder how much time you're talking. And usually, these are about 30 minutes or so, so that sounds about good. Alrighty, well, thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate um people that listen to this film um i have people that write me and tell me stuff about the film or podcast and one guy wrote that recently that uh that your podcast helped me with my work and 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 make my days easier so they really thank me for doing that stuff so that honestly man that really means a lot to me is that because i have the same thing where if there were certain podcasts i listen to like for me it's uh between the sheets uh the wrestling podcast like that helped me through many weeks of just nothing's going on or I felt bad I have something to look forward to and, and it makes those t- times better so if I can always give that back then that makes me feel cool that you know people gave it to me so I could give it right back so that's the way how this world works if you want to be a good person you know you got to give give the love that you get so I got love so I got to give it back so alrighty all so Speaking of giving love, Night of Open Sex had a lot of love to give, so that's a good, uh, good uh, message there to wrap this up. So, Buenas noches, Maha, and Ribadurchi, and uh, to all a good night, and I will see you on the next episode where we go into Oasis of the Zombies. Whoa.